Hello and welcome to The Woman Who. I'm Clara Ampho. And in this series, I'll be bringing you the remarkable stories of some of the world's most inspirational women. From pioneers of fashion, literature and television to the boldest activists, athletes and campaigners. These are the tales of the fearless. Women who have defied convention, broken boundaries and pushed the limits of what's possible. I'll be taking a deep dive into their lives, reliving their struggles and setbacks, their loves and losses, and how they overcame every obstacle in their path to achieve unimaginable success. These women are the real deal. This is the story of the woman who amplified Caribbean voices and Jamaican literature, feminist poet, radical journalist and pioneering playwright, Una Marson. Una Marson was born in 1905 in rural Jamaica and grew up in the strict household of her Baptist preacher father. She was the youngest of nine children, including three adopted siblings. From the start, she had had a rebellious streak, questioning everything around her, from the rigid expectations of religion to British colonial rule in Jamaica. She was also extremely bright. Her older sisters introduced her to poetry, which she called the chief delight of our childhood days. She grew up to love the classics of English literature, but chafed at stereotypical and denigrating depictions of black and brown people. At 10 years old, Una won a scholarship to Jamaica's prestigious Hampton High School. There, she continued to learn the history and literature of England from mostly English teaching staff. But again, she wanted to know more about the history and culture of her own country. Why didn't they read any Jamaican writers? Una's father died while she was still at school. So she took up a clerical job in Kingston to help support her family. It wasn't long before her love of literature transformed into a career. She took a role as an assistant editor for the Jamaican Critic, a literary magazine where she would cut her teeth as a writer, editor, proofreader and more. It was a crash course in journalism, which introduced her to the writers and poets of Jamaica. But Una felt she was restricted to covering what she called feminine subjects. She wanted to cover politics and social issues, not just housekeeping. So she took a risk and struck out on her own. Longing to be her own boss, Una founded The Cosmopolitan, the first Jamaican magazine owned and edited by a woman. It featured poetry, feminist theory, and radical political writing alongside some of those feminine subjects like fashion. Una herself wrote fiction and editorials. Though it closed after a few years due to low readership and financial difficulty, the Cosmopolitan allowed Una to find her voice as a feminist thinker and writer. Una's childhood love of poetry never left her. In her 20s, she published two books of romantic poetry, as well as her first play, At What a Price. 
The play was a comedy about a Jamaican girl who moved from the countryside to Kingston to work as a stenographer, only to fall in love with her white boss, a notorious womanizer. The play was a hit and earned her enough money to take herself and the show to London. After arriving in Britain, though, Yuna felt deflated. Back home, she had been a literary darling at the centre of the Jamaican art scene. In London, by contrast, she was treated by the English as an undesirable, barred from what she could do and where she could live by the colour bar. Soon, though, she found a new home in the large house in Peckham owned by Harold Moody, a pioneering Jamaican-born doctor and the founder of the League of Coloured Peoples. Yuna became his secretary, organising events and lectures across Britain. She became the editor of the LCP's newspaper, Keys, an unusually influential role for a woman in a male-dominated organisation. She was once again amid a community of like-minded political and artistic people with whom she produced her play at what a price for West End audiences. Yuna's importance as a cultural figure continued to rise as she was invited to speak at the International Alliance of Women in Istanbul. Her speech about racism against African students at British universities brought the audience to tears. She described the problem in Britain In America, they tell you frankly where you are not wanted by means of big signs, and they don't try to hide their feelings. But in England, though people will never say what they feel about us, you come up against instances which hurt us so much that you cannot talk about them. The theme of racism in Britain continued to influence her work. In the poem Little Brown Girl, she wrote about the feeling of being patronised by well-intentioned white women. In the poem, she writes, You speak good English, little brown girl. How is it you speak English as though it belonged to you? Though it was published over eight decades ago, Yuna's poetry remains as relevant today as it was in the 1930s. In another poem, Cinema Eyes, Yuna critiques the fairly new medium of film, Noting its reliance on white standards of beauty, she imagined a black woman speaking to her daughter. I used to go to the cinema to see beautiful white faces. How I worshipped them. How beautiful they seemed. I grew up with a cinema mind. Come, I will let you go when black beauties are chosen for the screen, that you may know your own sweet beauty and not the white loveliness of others for envy. When World War II broke out, Yuna was hired as a programme assistant at the BBC, working on a programme to serve soldiers from the West Indies stationed in Britain. Yuna became the producer of the Calling the West Indies programme, which broadcasted personal messages and news between Britain and the Caribbean. Yuna became the first black woman employed as a broadcaster by the BBC. 
she developed the programme into Caribbean Voices, which introduced Caribbean literature to a wider audience and lifted new writers to greater prominence. Yuna met Sylvia Pankhurst and T.S. Eliot and worked alongside George Orwell, who helped edit the programme. She also had a thriving social life. Her flat in wartime was an uninhibited hub of drinking, music, long debates and romance. But not everything was as cheerful as it seemed. Despite her talent and success at the BBC, she faced discrimination from her colleagues. A performance review noted that while she was an excellent employee, she faced intolerance in her role as the first black woman at the organisation. She was overworked and burnt out. And along with several ill-fated romances, her mental health suffered. Throughout her life, Una repeatedly faced such severe bouts of depression that she would have to return to Jamaica to be nursed back to health by her sisters. In one book of poetry, Towards the Stars, she reflected on the impossible darkness of life by the end of the war for her and for the world. The heart of humanity is frozen, she wrote. It is too cold for poets to sing. When she was well, though, Yuna constantly threw herself into work, helping others. She founded literary and feminist clubs back in Jamaica, as well as a Jamaican Save the Children organisation. She never stopped working to advance the rights, well-being and literary power of black people. But having suffered so much trauma to her mental health over the decades, Yuna's physical health also deteriorated. She died in 1965, aged just 60, from a heart attack. It's hard not to imagine how different Yuna's life could have been had she been born several decades later, or in a less prejudiced world. Again and again, she found herself the first black woman in the room. But with those achievements came immense pressure, isolation, and exhaustion. Her writing and thinking about the liberation of women and black people was not only ahead of its time, but would still be considered radical in some corners today. Even with all life dealt her, Yuna remained dedicated to helping others, whether shining a light on unknown voices in Caribbean literature or leading efforts to alleviate the poverty of many Jamaicans at the time. She used her platform to shine a light on the side of Jamaica that the rest of the world simply did not want to see. Both the struggles of the economic and political hardship and the beauty of the art produced by Jamaicans. Her skills as a writer led her to be one of the most important black writers, broadcasters and journalists of her time. As she had written in her poem, she used English as though it belonged to her because it did. The Woman Who podcast series has been brought to you by Fenwick, the UK's department store of distinction since 1882. Tune in each week to uncover the story of a new inspirational woman and head to fenwick.co.uk for more information. If you've been enjoying Fennec's stories of inspiring women, 
please don't forget to subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast app. Why not share it too, as it helps other people to hear about it. The Woman Who is a Radio Wolfgang production, written by Hannah Jewell and read by me, Clara Antho. The producer is Cass Denton. Sound design is by Eli Block. And the executive producer is Ellie DiMartino. Martino.